Let's read together the Word of God, Acts chapter 1, the first 11 verses. The last verse is also our text then, verse 11. This is the Word of God. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And now follows the text for the sermon. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven so far the Word of God. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, boys and girls too, you belong to the Lord. This week, remember Ascension Day, Thursday, 40 days after his resurrection on Easter Sunday, the Lord gave his disciples special instructions, commandments, it says, must have been quite a time for those disciples to be there with their Lord, their risen Lord, and to receive instruction from him in, over those 40 days. And then on the 40th day, he was on the Mount of Olives with them. And we know that from the end of Luke. He was on the Mount of Olives. And then they asked him yet, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And you see the disciples still thought so much in limited earthly terms about Jesus' kingship yet. They figured he would restore the earthly kingdom of Israel again, just be king over Israel. But Jesus then lets them know that his kingdom is universal. He's king of all. We sang about that. But that kingship of him, that kingdom, takes time to unfold yet. Time to come to fullness. 
And so the disciples should not focus on when the kingdom comes to its fullness then, but how it will come to its fullness. After all, they have a role in that, a role to play in that. They will receive the Holy Spirit and they are to be witnesses of Christ, of the gospel in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then after he had instructed them as they were watching the Lord's feet lifted off the ground and he went up and they stood staring, gazing until a cloud came between them and the Lord Jesus and took him out of their sight. And he departed from them into heaven, into glory at the right hand of God Almighty, as we know from the rest of the scriptures too. And the, the disciples, so the disciples were standing there, open mouthed, staring upwards into the sky. They saw the cloud, that was it. Their Lord had left them. They wouldn't be able to walk with him anymore, talk with him, hear his voice. They were alone on that mountain. But suddenly as they were gazing upwards, they heard a voice and they looked around and saw two men in white robes standing there, angels. One of them spoke, two of them, two, because two witnesses were, were there with them. And one of them said something to the disciples which meant a lot to them, which showed them where, to, where they had to go from here on. And it shows us too what Christ's ascension is about. That's what we're going to think about this morning and I preached to you the words of the angel to the disciples in our text with this theme, the meaning of Christ's ascension. Two things. Don't just look up, look down, but... Don't just look down, also look up. In the first place, then, don't just look up, look down. In the text, the angel first says to the disciples, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? And he addresses them as men of Galilee. And that shows he knows exactly who they are. And the questions he addresses to them is a gentle rebuke. Don't just stand there staring up in the sky. Don't you remember what the Lord told you? You see, the fact that the Lord had now departed from the disciples into heaven should not have been a huge surprise to them. He told them beforehand that's what was going to happen. That he was going away to his father when they celebrated the Passover with him in that upper room. In John 16, he told them already then he was going to leave them, but it was for their benefit that he was going away because when he left, he would send them the Holy Spirit from heaven who would help them in their task to testify about him to others here on earth. So the disciples, in, in other words, shouldn't be just standing there staring up in the sky. They should think about the job they have to do here. They had to think of what the Lord Jesus Christ had commanded them. Like when a, a parent tells a child to run an errand, the child maybe stands there 
looking, staring at something for a moment yet, and the parent says, come on, get on with it, just don't just stand there. And that's how it is with the, the words of the angels to the disciples too. He, that angel tells them to stop staring and get on with what they were told to do. What had the Lord told them to do? We read about that in verse 8. The Lord says, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, the disciples were to make propaganda for, for the king, King Jesus, and for his kingdom. All over, all over. Starting with Jerusalem, but going beyond Samaria, those accursed Samaritans, in the Jewish eyes, and then beyond that to the ends of the earth. Now that Jesus had finished his work here on earth, his kingdom had reached the stage where it could expand to the ends of the earth. That, like that stone that, that Daniel saw that encompassed the whole earth. The gospel of the kingdom isn't just for Israel anymore. The nation of Israel but it's for the world. The nation of Israel had completed what it was there for to bring forth the Messiah. Now the gospel is for the world. Abram would be the father of many nations. And the apostles and the church, based on their testimony, are supposed to get on with that work. So the words of the angel in our text are an admonition not to stargaze, but to get to work here on earth. Because don't forget, after all, the last word Jesus spoke here on earth was the word earth. He ascended into heaven right after that word came from his lips, and the point is that after Christ's ascension into heaven, the earth has become very important for his kingdom, a place where his kingdom still needs to come. The kingdom of heaven has taken over heaven. Satan is being cast out. Now it has to come here on earth. Has to expand here on earth yet. That's what the angel wants to remind the disciples and the New Testament church of, of which they were the foundation. After Christ's ascension, we may not just stand still, staring up into the sky. We're supposed to be busy here, on earth, with the earth, even though our king has ascended to sit at his throne at his father's right hand, he wants his work here on earth to go on, to continue. He wants his kingdom here to expand. He's interested in the earth. On his throne in heaven, he's very involved what's going on here, here on earth. And so we're supposed to be interested and involved in what goes on here on this earth too. All aspects of life. Because everything is connected with the coming of God's kingdom. Church, family, politics, economics, culture, science, technology, education, everything ultimately has to do with the coming of the fullness of the kingdom of Christ. See, congregation, that's what those first words of the angel in the text mean for us today. We're all, as members of Christ, field workers of the kingdom of heaven. In our own place, with our own abilities and gifts, 
And Christ's ascension means that we then also look at the earth, this earth differently, that we see it as the place where Christ's work still has to be done and come to fullness here. Christ's ascension means, congregation, that we have work to do here as far as the kingdom goes. We need to be involved with church. Actively support mission, evangelism. Gives us direction in raising children for his kingdom. Gives deep purpose to going to school and university. Gives us a context in which to do our work and run our business. It's not all just for us here, but it's for the progress of God's kingdom. We are to be his witnesses in our homes, in our work, at school. And so Christ's ascension means we're not to be stargazers, but witnesses and workers for Christ the King on earth in every aspect of our life. The gospel has to permeate everything and go out to the ends of the earth and touch all of life here. Christ's ascension means there's purpose and direction in everything we do here. So we're not castaways here on a little reformed island in this world, gazing up into heaven, waiting to be liberated from here. No, Christians are field workers here of the kingdom of God throughout the world. And we have the calling to speak of Christ, to live for Christ, to work for him, to let his name be known in everything we do, everywhere we are, and even to the ends of the earth. What a glorious task we have as Christians then, after Christ's ascension. A glorious task. doesn't matter what we're doing. If we're sweeping floors or whether we're into politics and in parliament and all, we have a task to bring the gospel to life where we are. To keep the truth, make it known and applicable in every area of life, in every place. It all belongs to our king after all. The king of kings. I'm afraid, I sometimes have the idea that in general this is not a really big priority for us today. Because we're often more involved with our own lives, our own progress in this world, our own stuff, than with our king and the progress of his kingdom and his possession of all things. And then you see what we do is we think too small our own lives, our own church, our own little piece of the world, but our Savior is the king of it all. It's all his, and it will all manifest itself as his in the end. Sure, we need to make sure we can live here and that we keep the truth and that we ourselves share in Christ, but it just can't stay private with us. The command to the church today is especially to let the gospel of Christ, Christ's work shine in this world too in our homes to our neighbors in society to those around us here in the culture in which we live which is becoming more anti-christian we have a task the more anti-christian our, our culture becomes the more beautiful our task becomes more 
obvious it becomes to us in politics, in science, every aspect of life. Letting the light of Christ shine in it all. And then we don't have to know everything and have an answer for everything. No, we, we, can, we can have our own struggles with understanding and appropriating and putting the gospel into practice too. But that doesn't take away from our, our job as citizens of the kingdom, people of the ascended king. Christ's ascension means teach your children about his promises and his will. His ascension means you just can't keep your mouth shut over against your fellow students at college or university either. I'm a Christian. That's why I do what I do. Christ's ascension means you have the task to consistently show yourself a servant of the King of Kings to your co-workers on the job. How you work, how you conduct your business. Christ's ascension means you're called to let your neighbor know in word and deed Christ is your king and that every knee in heaven and earth will ultimately bow to him. Your neighbor shouldn't know. He should know that you're a Christian. Shouldn't just think, oh, that's another person like me. No, let them know. Christ's ascension is a call to us to give for and pray for mission, PNG and elsewhere. Christ's ascension is a call to remember the theological college in the seminary in Hamilton in contributions and in prayers. And young brothers, ask yourself if you have the gifts to become a minister of the gospel. And there's opportunity for young women to be mothers, teachers, writers, translators, pregnancy center volunteers, and so on. Testify of Christ in so many ways. A call, a call this is a call to apply the gospel of Jesus Christ to all of life, to live him in your life, all of it, to art, music, technology, teaching, labor. It's a call to be politically active. Let Christ be king in the political arena in our nation too. Christ's ascension to God's right hand means we have a glorious task here because everything belongs to him and he will be Lord of all. You see, when Christ descended into heaven, he didn't abandon earth. He didn't, he ascended into heaven so that he could reign more effectively from there on earth, over the whole earth. That he could work from there through his spirit, working in people, his people, Something like the prime minister of our nation. Where can the prime minister work most effectively for the good of the, of the, the nation? Not directing on, on construction sites or, or things like that. He's most effective when he's involved in governing the people from parliament buildings in Ottawa. So it is with Christ. He's most effective in the headquarters of the universe which is the throne of God, and from there he works. And more effectively than if he had stayed here on earth. He can only be in one place at a time here. But from there he can work over the whole earth. Governs all things, sends out his gospel of salvation to the ends of the earth via his people. So let's be his bureaucrats.
his ground workers. Do what he commands in every part of your life and make the gospel known in your life. So let's not just stand staring upwards. Look down here to this earth. There's work to do here to the ends of the earth for the king. On the other hand, Christ's ascension also means we have a goal with everything we do here because we're working towards his return from heaven. And that brings, that, that brings us to the second point. Christ's ascension means we're not just to look down either, but also look up. In the second part of our text, the angel said to the disciples, this Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way he was taken or in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. In like manner, same way. Notice how, how specific he is with his words. This Jesus, the very same one you saw going up into heaven, the very same one who is God and man, fully man too. Well, he will come back in the same way you saw him go up. And those words don't mean that Jesus' return in glory is going to be like a, a film of his ascension played backwards and that he'll be wearing the same clothes and returning the same spot on the Mount of Olives near Jerusalem as a lot of premillennialists believe. No, when the angel says this Jesus, he means that Jesus' return will be personal. He will return as son of God with true human nature. And the words in the same way or in like manner as you saw him going to heaven means that his return will be visible just as they saw him with their own eyes go up. They'll see him with their own eyes coming back It'll be visible and glorious with clouds, which in the Bible always symbolize God's glory. Remember the temple when it was inaugurated and the, the temple was filled with cloud. On Sinai there was clouds. God's glory. So the disciples had seen the Lord go and they and all men will see him come back and then in glory with God's glory Jesus himself said that to the high priest when he was on trial he said in the future you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven the point in our text though is that the disciples are told to live and work here in the expectation of Christ's the king Christ's return from heaven in glory and majesty and power. That's what so many of Jesus' parables about his return were about too, about being found busy as servants uh, preparing for the, the return of the master from his journey. And that's, so that's the goal towards which we should be living and working here too. Looking forward to our return, the return of our master. The Lord Jesus is coming again in power and glory to take possession of the whole world as part of his kingdom. Heaven is the first part, the earth too, they'll come together, be his kingdom. 
And you see, that's what the angel, what the angel says shows that we live in a kind of interim period here. That's what the, the time between Christ's ascension and his return is. It's an interim period. This interim is often described in the Bible as the last age or the last days or the last hour. And those expressions are meant to remind us that this is a, a limited period of time. And it also reminds us that there is haste as we're moving toward the conclusion of that interim period of time. There's lots to be done yet in this last period of the history of this fallen world before the renewal of all things by our king. Our king wants, wants us to hurry toward the end of the age by making the gospel of Christ known in our lives, in our words, to the ends of the earth, making progress as far as our living and working for the kingdom of Christ is concerned. And that haste, by the way, is, is different from the kind of haste and rushing around that a lot of people do today, that a lot, so many people today are involved in. Everything has to go faster and faster nowadays. Computers and traffic and relationships and things you order on Amazon, they can be there in a day. Amazing. It's gotta go faster and faster, and why? Because people wanna get the most out of what they, they can out of life here. The world is in a big hurry because life is short and everybody wants to get out of it what he or she can. Nothing new, really, because that was in Bible times. Eat, drink, be merry, and hurry up because tomorrow we die. So people are so busy with this life, living it as if it's it. This is all there is, so we better get out of it what we can. And then they ignore where it's all going to where it's all headed. They only look down and they don't look up. They don't live in the expectation of the return of the King of Kings from heaven in glory at the end of the age because they don't see any end of the age. And by the way, that's also why they live with so many worries about the future too. And congregation, there's the danger. We, take, we can take on that same kind of rushed attitude as the world around us. It can be so busy down here, everybody in a rush to get ahead down here. And we get, get so taken up with wanting and trying to get out of life on earth what we can. We want that. We'd like to have this. We're working toward this. We have plans for that. And we forget, it. we can be so busy with all those things that we forget the real purpose and direction of it all. Then we, realize, then we don't realize anymore, this is all temporary. The same Jesus will return in like manner as he went up into heaven. That's going to happen. It's true, we can look up the wrong way too. Think of the disciples who stood staring up into the sky at the beginning of our text. They for, forgot they had a task to do here. We could be so busy with heaven that we forget that we have a job to do here too for the Lord, for our Lord and King. To bring his, the, the testimony of his gospel out in our life 
and, and to the ends of the earth. That we forget the reason why we live and work and witness here on earth. We're to live and work here in the expectation of Christ's return and in the fullness of his kingdom, for the fullness of his kingdom. His ascension means then we have to look up to. At the same time we're working down here, we also keep an eye up, living and working in the eager expectation of the return of our king and the full manifestation of his kingdom. And it's so easy not to think of heaven in that, all the rush of life today, is it? We're all busy with all kinds of things. Even when you retire, you're busy, busy, busy. And there's a danger. We, we separate our life here from our king in heaven. That's what secularization is. You, you leave God out of the picture in your life. And when you do that, you look at life here on earth completely different. This is all there is. This is it. And you need to get out of it what you can. And if you can't, then you basically give up on life. And you might as well go on drugs. Sad way to live. Sad, if you think about it. So many people live a sad life. Because it's a sad way to live if that's all there is to it. And then you realize that so many people actually live in a very small world. But as, as citizens of Christ's kingdom, we live in a big world, huge. We can live, look beyond. We have real meaning and purpose in life because of Christ's ascension. Our world is huge. Our king is king of kings, king of the universe and beyond. Christ's ascension means we can look beyond this little planet and this little life on this planet that we can live and work in the wide expectation of the return of the Son of Man in glory to make all things new, perfect. And that brings real purpose and direction to your life and work here then too. And that brings us to, to live dependently here, too. Depending on Christ in heaven and his purpose and his return. Without our Savior in heaven, without his promise that he will return, without his sending his spirit to us to work in us here, we have nothing. Life is senseless then, without purpose. But believing his ascension means believing he's coming back when it's time for his kingdom to be complete. And that makes everything we do here meaningful, worthwhile, purposeful, joyful, festive even. Festive. Because our king will show up in glory and manifest himself as Lord of glory, king of kings, we know that, but the world doesn't. But they will know it in the end. So congregation, we first saw, we shouldn't just look upwards to heaven. We have a task and calling here on earth, which our king wants us to fulfill, to witness about him and his lordship over all things in every aspect of life, everywhere. As far as the, but then, then we don't just look here, down here on earth, as if it's all here. 
as far as the goal and purpose of it all here, of all our labors here, we need to look up. That means living in all things, expecting him to come back at any moment, any time. And we'll see him visibly with glory. We'll see him coming. All the traffic will stop. People will stop what they're doing and realize this is it. And that's why we need to be busy with that task he gave us too. Because our Lord is coming again and every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow before him. King of kings, Lord of lords, amen.